welcome to Uri Podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure. In this episode, Jesse and the Fairy, the Three Billy Goats Gruff, Huffy the Heron, and the Laldi Sang. Curry in and here, listen, folks. Enjoy. The Three Billy Goats Gruff Yince upon a time, there were three billy goats gruff. Yin sunny day, the three billy goats gruff headed up the hillside to look for some sweet grass to eat. They wanted to get big and strong. On the way up the hillside, the three billy goats gruff come to a fast-flowing river. On the other side of the river, there was a beautiful meadow. The grass there was green and lang, the finest, swishiest grass they'd e'er seen. Over the river, there was a wooden brig. And on the brig, there was an ugsome troll. Folk didn't cross the brig, because they were fear to the troll. If you dared to trip-trap over that brig, the troll would hear you and jump out and eat you up, nae bother at all. The three billy goats gruff were fear to the troll, but they really wanted to get to the other side, where that tasty, swishy, sweet green grass was growing. They stood and waited hoping the troll would fall asleep or just gan awa, but he didn't. After a while, the youngest billy goat gruff says, I'm gone, Ella. I'm starving. I want some of that grass in my belly. And off he went. He tried to be quiet, but it's awfully hard to tiptoe on hooves. <laughs> Trip-trap, trip-trap, trip-trap went the hooves of the youngest billy goat gruff on the wooden brig. Suddenly, the ugsome troll jumped up onto the brig and flied the youngest billy goat gruff. Was that trip-trap in our ma brig? roared the troll. The youngest billy goat gruff squeaked. It's just me, the tiny, wee tiny billy goat gruff. I just want to go into the meadow and eat the sweet green grass. The ugsome troll stamped his foot and says, No, you're no, cos I'm gonna eat ye. The youngest billy goat gruff trembled and says, Oh, please, didn't eat me, Mr. Troll. I'm only wee and I'm awfully bony. There's no meat on me at all. You would better wait for any of the other billy goats gruff to come along. They're much flatter and tastier than me. The troll says, Aye, all right then, on you go. And he crawled back under the brig. 
So the youngest billy goat gruff skipped off across the brig and into the meadow to eat the sweet, swishy green grass. The second billy goat gruff was watching and he says, Hey, would you look at that? The wee ain't got a cross. Get on yourself, wee man. Richt, I'm awa to get over that brig. If he can do it, so can I. And off he went to cross the wooden brig. Trip trap, trip trap, trip trap, trip trap went his hooves. Suddenly, the ugsome troll jumped up onto the brig and flied the second billy goat gruff. Was that trip trapping our ma brig? rolled the troll. The second billy goat gruff did get a fly, but wasn't as fierce as his wee brother. He looked up at the ugsome troll and says, I'm trip trapping over the brig to get to the sweet swishy grass on the other side. My belly is rumbling. Aye, rolled the troll, so is mine. I'm going to eat you up every bit. And he licked his lips with his big slavery tongue. The second billy goat gruff was feared now and his knees were shuggling. He says, oh, oh, please then eat me. I'm no as big as the other billy goat gruff was coming along just after me. I'm all bones and fur. There's no meat on me at all. Oh, please then eat me. The troll looked up and saw the bigger billy goat gruff watching for behind a tree. And he says to the second billy goat gruff, Aye, all right then, on you go. And he climbed back under the brig to hide. The second billy goat gruff skipped across the brig, all happy and pleased with his sail. Then the third billy goat gruff we was watching decided to cross the wooden brig. He was much bigger than the other billy goats and he had a big old beard and muckle horns on his head. He was fully grown and affish strang. He started to walk across the wooden brig. Trip trap, trip trap, trip trap, trip trap. <laughs> the troll jumped out and roared, Was that trip trapping our ma brig? It doesn't matter, because I'm going to eat you. The big billy goat gruff stood strang and shouted, No, you're no. And then he charged at the troll with his muckle horns and boofed him right in the belly. Boof! And the troll went fleeing into the air and fell into the fast-flowing river. The troll floated downstream near to be seen again. For then on, folk went over the brig without being feared. They ne'er did see the ugsome troll again, nor hear his horrible voice roar out. Was that trip trapping our ma brig? Jessie and the Fairy (laughs) 
Here's a wee fairy tale for you. You might think you can about fairies. Cute wee things, aren't they, no? I can cross between a person and a butterfly, aye? No, not at all. Though are Hollywood fairies, harmless wee cartoon characters about as far from the good old Celtic fair folk as you could possibly get. Your real, actual fairies are a tougher proposition altogether. In a way, they're like reflections over cells, the parts of us that didn't quite fit with the modern world. For example, have you ever felt a storm was coming, even though you'd no checked your weather app that day? Just kent it in your bains. Or have you ever had the feeling that some keenan rooftop seagull was speaking directly to you, though you'd no notion what it might be saying? If so, you probably think Nathan owe it. Settle back into comfortable distractions like Netflix or TikTok. But those weird wee moments are where fairies bide all the time. They're an oory tangle on nature and spirit, fickle as the wind and twice as dangerous. In the old days we kent them better, though there was never muckle love atween us. They were tricksy, flicksome creatures, our fond o' abducting folk for nae reason. A bit like aliens are said today new. And to be honest, I wouldn't bet that aliens aren't just fairies getting dressed up in shiny suits for a laugh. It's the kind of thing they would do. Getting wheeched awa by the fair folk was nae joke. Aye, they micht offer you gifts and wishes, but there'd aye be a price. And they'd be just as like to hide you in a mountain for a century or twa while making the world outside forget about you completely. But why would they do this? Nobody kens. Wild beings, or wild places, and we're maybe as well to forget them. But Scotland, as you may ken, still has plenty of wild places, and they're no all out on the stormy coastline or up the rugged mountains. Tack a donner down the nearest street, pay attention at the corner of your inn, and you might find a wild spot far closer than you were expecting. That's what happened to Jessie McFall yin Friday forenoon on her way to school. Now, it would be fair to say that Jessie's day hadn't stared at with money cosy distractions. She didn't bide in that sort of hoose. Her mother was nae wheel, you see, and her father was nae there, and she'd twa wee brothers to get up and sort it for the day. It was a bit o' a guddle, to put it mildly, and Jessie was aff and puggled afore the day had even begun. She'd get into school half deed on her feet, and while you and me micht understand if she'd no had time, say, to do her homework, old Mrs McNulty was nae half so sympathetic. Lazy girl, she'd cry when she saw Jessie's eyelids drooping, just like your mother. So Jessie was in no rush to get to school. She was in a dwam, wishing things were different, kicking a can down the road in front of her. It was a dreech old morning, a snell wind out the east, and Jessie was blowing in her hands to warm them up. And suddenly, passing under a railway brig, her attention was arrested by a wee clump of green. There was a wee hole in the wall where water was trickling through. This trickle had sprouted a bonny tongue o' bricht green moss, startling in the grey, and something about it stopped at Jessie in her tracks. It was as if it was calling to her, an insistent skilful colour in the gloom. I've never noticed that afore, thought Jessie, interested for the first time the day. She geeked at it, charmed by its verdure and weirdly enthralled, when all at yince the wind changed, and there afore her a tall, fairly being unfolded itself through the wall. In shape, 
It was more or less a man, no exactly handsome, but full of a strange glamour, happed in a lang green robe. For an instant the thing looked as surprised as Jessie, but in a gliff it was all composed. Greetings, it said, an oury skinkle in its deep green een. You're the first of your kind to notice me in twa hundred and four year. You must be a human o' rare depth and perception. Well, Jessie was overwise to stun about spraffing with strangers, but after the shock of the thing's appearance, she found herself thinking that this might be mere interesting than a rammy with Mrs. McNulty. Eh? Oh, aye, she said. Depth and perception, that's me, all right. What can I do for ye? The fairy rubbed its chin and thought. Perhaps it is I who can do something for you, it said. I am a very powerful being, you can. Now, you wouldn't go accepting gifts for only old random you met in the street, even if they hadn't just magic themselves out an AY in front of you. But you can, there were things in Jessie's life she could do with a bit of a he's up with. So she nodded and said, Oh, aye. Uh, could you make my wee brothers behave themselves? Of course, the fairy said. I can turn them into stain with a click of my fingers and they'll never cause mischief again. I see, said Jessie. And could you bring my feather back? Nay, bother, came the reply. We one wink of my ee, I could bind him in your kitchen so that he could never stray again. Recht, aye, said Jessie. And could you make my mammy wheel again? In an instant, boasted the fairy. If I but clap my hands, she will never need your help again. Okay, said Jessie. Then, canny last that she was, she speared an unca-important question. And what? she asked. Would you be wanting in return? Ah, said the fairy, an ill-tricket smile spreading across its face. If I should help you thus, I would have you return to Elfheim with me to be my queen. Well, Jessie stood there and thought a while in the dowy grey morning licht, wind flickering her toozy locks about her head. At last she drew a breath and spoke. Thanks for all that, she said, but for all their nonsense, I love my wee brothers, and I'll tack them and their shenanigans out a pair of lifeless statues ony day. As for my feather, if he was wee us against his will, well, that wouldn't couldn't for ocht at all, would it? If he doesn't want us, he doesn't deserve us. And if I'm to be nae help to my ain mammy, how will she ken a lover with my hale hurt? And as for being a queen, she said, prudely drawing herself up to her full height, I'm queen enough as I am, I'll hear you ken. I dinna need your gifts, or want them. The fairy laughed, we are soon like mountain waterfalls. Ah, but you've received one. A clearer sight of things that matter. But this is a gift I give freely. If there were mere like you, perhaps our two peoples could have been friends. And with that, it folded itself away back into Neway, leaving Jessie to march to school, ready for whatever the day might bring. It's time for Scottify, in which Susie challenges Alan to write a song about a Scots word. Hello, Alan. Oh, Susie, hello. It's been a long time. Oh, it's a long time no see. How are you doing? Oh, no bad. Yourself? Tickety-boo. Excellent. 
Guess what? Tell me. We have a new Scottify challenge. Oh, about time. And what is it this time? The word is... Laldi! Oh, we'll we all have to do things we didn't want to do. I'm afraid that's just the way the yard is. We can gurn and complain, cry at all and off a pain. But we're nae no us as free as birdies. And the stuff that's in them, we'll it can all be fun. You winna get it by be greeting. Uh, there's a trick you can use that'll brighten all your days, and the bitterest of pills will sweeten. Uh, oh, gee it loudy, gee it loudy. Get your shooter to the wheel, it'll change the way you feel. Gee it loudy, uh, that's what I'll do, and we'll make the world a better place to be. Oh, you've to tidy up your room, clean the kitchen with a broom, and you're torn and tangled by distraction. All the things you could be doing, all the fun you could be hearing, they can keep you fair the joy of action. Time is no just to kill, day or duty we a will, you'll make the place a wee bit better. We a wee bit resolve, there's no rang we can't solve, so let's see what we can do together. Oh, get loudy, get loudy, put your shooter to the wheel, it'll change the way you feel, get loudy. That's what I'll do, we'll make the world a better place to be one more time. Get loudy, get loudy, put your shooter to the wheel. Change the way And we'll make the world a better place to be. Huffy the Heron. Silently the heron glided under the old brig that spanned the river Nith. Soonlessly he landed on his favourite stain by the call and waded into the water. His still and quiet presence was a direct contrast with the stushy and clatter gone on around him. The roaring water gathered round his lang legs as he waded elegantly into the river for to catch his supper. He looked around at the familiar scene of the buses and cars rattling by. A red-faced woman was running along the length of the white sands with her headphones in. A young family were walking their dogs towards the dock park. A lassie was standing by the railings at the bus stands watching him. She was stuffing her face with chips while twee noisy gulls flapped their wings, screeching for attention nearby. The lassie was quite often there waiting for her bus. She watched him closely and could see the glimmer of the Russian water reflected in his china blue een. The heron pulled up his shoulders and tucked in his lang neck. She mused to herself who he looked like he was in the huff when he stood like that. She smiled and whispered to herself, Huffy the heron. Mm. 
They looked at each other for a wee bit while she wrapped up the chip paper. She put the paper in the bin and then got on her usual bus. Just then, Huffy Heron minded on about a wee memory in his past. When he was a wee chick, his mammy tried awfully hard to teach him how to fish for his sail. When he was wee, he stayed further up the river Nith, close to the Lincluden Abbey. When he was all enough, his mammy spent weeks trying to teach him how to catch fish. His mammy had him standing in the chalets under the big hazel trees, and she would say, Rick, son, what you do is find yourself a good spot where the fishies and puddocks'll be. You have to stand Rick still and no move. If you move, you need to stare to gain, and then it tucks longer to get your dinner, and you can, you didn't want that. So stay still. And when you see something tasty gone by, you grip it, fast as lickening, and grip it, then you swallow it. Don't hesitate. Just wait patiently. Then when the time comes, gan for it. And what's for you will no gan by you. The thing was, though, young Huffy Heron got bored too quickly, and he whinged to his mam to just date it for him. Oh, mam, I've stood here ages, and there's nothing gone by. And he would beg her endlessly. Oh, please, mam, please catch me a fish. I'm too hungry to date myself, mummy bees. But that was fine when he was a young heron chick. But it wasn't long before he got to a size where he really needed to learn how to do it his sail. If she said no, then he would just gan in the huff. He'd pull his shoulders up and tuck in his long neck and sulk on the riverbank. Yin sunny day, she says to him, Richt, it's time you left the nest and did all this yourself. I'll show you a good place to gan to start with, and then you're on your own. You can do this now. What's for you will no gan by you. They flew to a shady, shally pair to the river Nith down by Nunham. He didn't like it at all, even though it wasn't a bad sport. The trees dappled the sunlight on the calm water, and it was very peaceful there. His mammy said, Mine, son! What's for you will no gan by you. Cheerio! And she opened her muckle slate grey wings and flew awa. And there he was, left to fend for his sail. After a bit, Huffy Heron's belly was rumbling with hunger. So he stood like his mammy talked him, but he got bored after twee minutes. He started guddling about in the water, picking up and flinging in wee chucky stains. He liked the way they plopped into the water. This just scared all the wee fishies and puddocks awa, though. Then he decided to gan further down the river, getting closer to the white sands. Every time he tried to do the stan and still hang, he gave up after twee minutes. This was useless. He was really hungered and was missing his mammy. He pulled up his shooters and tucked his neck in and did what he always did. He went in the huff. Just then, a seagull sitting on a wall came down to hear a good look at him. What are you in the huff for? she speared. Seagulls are quite forward like that. They say it as they see it. I'm no in the huff. I'm fed up. I'm hungry. And my mam says to catch anything, I need to stay still and wait. I can't be bothered with all that. 
Heron replied. The seagull cocked her head and looked at him, and she screeched, Ha ha! Happy Heron! Ha ha! That's your name for noon! What? I'm not in the huff at all, whinged Heron, looking more in the huff now than only other time of his life. Well, if you're going to name me Huffy, I'm going to call you Skrek. Skrek the seagull screeched a mocking laugh again. <laughs> I'm only kidding you on, she said. You can call me what you like, I'm no bothered. She fluttered closer to Huffy and looked at his sad face. Hey, cheer up, will you? Do you want to ken who I get some scran? It's easy, come with me. And the pair of them flew up into the air and headed up the river to where the bus dances were at the White Sands. Skrek flew down close to the bus dances, but Huffy didn't like that at all. He was wary of humans. Skrek didn't mind them though. He watched her land on the grun, then he landed closer to the river and kicked out for the reeds by the old brig. He watched Scratch dive he'd first into a bin that was nearly foo, and she pulled out some greasy paper, and inside was a carton with fid in it. Bingo! Huffy, come see this! Scratch called her. But Huffy wouldn't have gone over, so she dragged the carton closer to him. Here, try this old fish supper. It's still a bit warm, day. Bonanza! Screk picked a bit of the battered fish and chucked it down to her new pal in the reeds. Try that! Huffy pecked at it and dry boked. Fish his mammy got for the river did they taste like this? Ugh. What was that crunchy and claggy brown stuff around it? Huffy spat it out. Jings! You're awfully pernickety for a hungry bird, do you know? Speared Skrek. Huffy Heron washed his beak in the water and said, Sorry, Skrek, that's no for me, but it was awfully kind of you. I'm hungry, but no that hungry. Thanks, only why. Skrek shrugged her shoulders and with a mouthful of chips she mumbled, That's fine, pal. Or a beer for me. She got the lot down before the other seagulls could pinch it off her. Huffy's belly rummelt again. Skrek gulped in the last of the chips and said, Try the fishing again. There's a good spot down there past the old brig. Huffy Heron nodded inside his cell. He opened his muckle's slate grey wings and flew a wee bit further down towards the call by the rushing waters. He felt the weight of the water wrap round his long legs. He closed his in. Then he felt the flow of the water. He let the energy fill his senses until the glimmer was skinkling through every feather and bane in his body. He opened his in and looked into the water and waited and waited and waited and waited. Flash! A peery salmon was swimming about under the water near his legs. Fast as lightning, Huffy gripped it and swallowed it. What's for me? Well, no gun past me, he thought to sail prudently. He tried again, and it wasn't long before he caught another fish. He decided to get to his new pal, Skrek. She ate it because she will eat anything, but really, she preferred the old half-eaten battered fish for the bin. There's nae accounting for taste, I suppose. Skrek and Huffy are still friends to this day. You mix see them 
if you're gonna walk along the white sands in Dumfries. Been listening to Uri Podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure. All stories, songs, and adaptations by Susie and Alan, and Alan does all the production and music and all. We really hope you've enjoyed it, folks. Thanks for tuning in, and if you've liked it, why not tell your pals? Catch you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>